nice to see you folks again. Uh, always a pleasure to be here. I have such pleasant memories of your encouragement, and it's just nice to share with you today. Are there any of you that don't believe that 2020 is going to be an interesting year? I think maybe 2020 is going to call us to prayer, perhaps unlike any, any other in a long time. I wrestled back and forth about what to share with you today. Um, I'm not at my strongest. I'm not, I'm not at my best. There are a lot of things going on in my life and things that I'm concerned about. And I put some things together, and I hope they make sense. I've not preached this anywhere else. I think one of you told me one time you didn't mind if I used you as a guinea pig. (laughs) And so uh, I want to share some things with you. I hope they come together and challenge us because they sure did me as I prepared them. I was watching a sports show and the announcer said something about load management and associated it with a star athlete who had set out a rather important NBA basketball game and it caused some controversy. Uh, Load management is defined as the deliberate temporary reduction of external physiological stresses recommending the idea that old-fashioned rest and relaxation is supposed to improve an athlete's health, his performance, and prolong his career. Uh, Kobe Bryant, one of the best to ever play in the NBA, didn't go along with load management and said, if you can walk, you play. Well, load management began to roll around in my mind and caused me to remember some things. And I'll refer to it uh, later on. But I thought maybe that was what Jesus was talking about when teaching on prayer. He said, men ought to pray and not faint. That's an older translation. The NIV says men ought to pray and not give up. I preached a message one time, I called it, Why Pray? And I believe I preached it here. I thought about giving you a brief exam over that sermon, but I decided I wouldn't and would go on. But I ask the question, why pray? Because I think, though people wouldn't admit it, Christian people can ask that question. Why pray? God's sovereign? Or hasn't done me much good? Why pray? I gave six answers. Uh, I'm not going to list all of them, but I said it gives God the moral right to interfere in our lives. Does he need it? Of course he doesn't. But he said, call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things you do not know. 
Another reason why pray, because God went with Abraham as far as Abraham prayed. That I was referring to Abraham talking God down to ten, uh, that he would not destroy Sodom and Gomorrah if there were ten righteous people. And God stopped where Abraham stopped. What would have happened if Abraham had gone farther? I don't know. I don't know. And then I said, because it can change the mind of God. Moses and the golden calf incident when God was just a breath away from wiping them out. I know that's a strong statement. And you might take issue with it. But you read Exodus 32 again. And I think it's there. It even says he changed his mind about what he was going to do. Remember how Moses poured out his heart. And there's a, there's a complimentary scripture in Psalm 106, 23. Have you ever read this one? Therefore he said he would destroy them. Had not Moses... His chosen one stood in the breach before him to turn away his wrath from destroying them. Draw your own conclusion. Why pray? Philip Yancey, the gifted and popular writer, asked his answer because Jesus did. Folks, we have a powerful sworn enemy who has targeted every one of us for harm. He has targeted our children for harm. He does not want us to pray. He mocks our wisdom. He laughs at all our toiling. He will do everything he can to make stressed out Christians. He wants us to faint. He wants us to give up, not to pray. Because when we pray, he trembles. The devil hates it when we cast off stress through our faith and through our prayers. Years ago, Paul Harvey, the popular newscaster, came out with If I Were the Devil, what he would do to keep people from praying. He would tell them there's no God, but thought there'd be better something to say nowadays than that. There's a God, but he can't be reached. Uh, God isn't fair. And he settled, though, on... Maybe this would be the most effective. If I were the devil, I would say, yeah, go ahead and pray. Prayer's good for you. But do it tomorrow. Ratchet up your prayer life tomorrow. Tomorrow. So which do you do most? Pray or give up? Pray 
or faint. One of the things that fascinates me in the study of Jesus' ministry following along with him are those times when he crossed paths with people just like us who stopped him dead cold in his tracks, who brought him great delight. And sometimes it almost seems as if they surprised him He was the son of God, but he was also the son of man. It's just my opinion, but I doubt if Jesus could hide his smile from the moment little Zacchaeus shinned down the sycamore tree until he came out of his house and announced to the world that I am a changed man. And the Roman centurion who came to Jesus because his servant was very, very ill and he said to Jesus, you don't have to come to my house. I'm not worthy of that. Just say the word. And he will be healed. And he was. And Jesus loved that. And Matthew 8, we read these words. It says, Jesus was astonished at that man. And a woman who had some kind of a bleeding issue suffered for 12 long years came up with a plan that if she just touched his garment, she would be healed. She did, and she was. And Jesus was touched by that. Power's gone out of me. What's happened? And the look on his face when he found out it was her, I just know it was so special but the one that moves me most and really moved him was that day when a Gentile woman a Canaanite woman came to him because she had a demon possessed daughter what a background surely was hers What stories that woman could have told. Dramatic stories, sorrowful stories, sordid stories, sad, sad stories. Just think of what we read in the scripture about demon possession and what images it brings to mind. And it comes to me that she just might have something to say to us about praying and not giving up, about stress and load management. Prayer. I'm going to read from Matthew uh, chapter 15, verses 21 through 28. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from the region came out and was crying. 
Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Of course, she was a Gentile, but she came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to a dog. She said, yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. She didn't have the luxury of load management. She had to play every day and every night. But today, things are bad today. She had to do something today. The load had gotten too heavy. She has got to find this man who is called the son of David. Every step she took was a prayer. And here's what she did. First of all, she vividly imagined. Sure she did. How often do you suppose she imagined her daughter normal? polite, well-behaved, loving, dressed up all pretty, quietly reading a book, helping with the dishes and the housework. Mother-daughter talks about meeting a handsome young man one day and falling in love and how it would be so much fun to plan the wedding they would have. And one, one day a little grandchild. How often do you suppose she imagined that? Someone said, before you can pray it, you have to see it. In marriage, in the family, at church, in your life, what do you see as you look out across your tomorrows that you know you absolutely cannot handle without fervent prayer? And what is there out there that you can see that you, you're yearning for it and it excites you and fills you with hope? You can see it and you're praying it and you're believing it and you just know, you just feel so good that God's going to do it. I heard a good sermon before Christmas called Now Till Then. 
It was about Mary being told she was pregnant even though she had not been with a man. That it was by the power of the Holy Spirit. That was the now. She was told she would give birth to the Son of God. That was then. Now, the big question was, how will Mary respond? Will she go from now till then, worrying and stewing and fretting? Or will she go from now till then, worshiping? Well, we have the Magnificat. She went worshiping. And I got to thinking about that. Now till then, now till then, that's worth thinking about. I wouldn't be surprised if not every one of you right now have a now till then situation. Now, this is the way it is now. Then is out there. And what am I going to do between now and then? I heard a beautiful rendition of the great hymn, uh, It Is Well With My Soul. Uh, I'm sure you know the story. H.G. Spafford sent his wife and four daughters uh, across the sea to, to England. He would join them later. That ship they were on ran into an iron sailing vessel, vessel and it sunk. And he received a wire from his wife, survived alone. All four of his daughters drowned. He got things together, got, got everything ready and, and set sail for England. Captain called him in one day and said, we are over the spot where that accident happened. Thought you might like to know. That's the now. He's going to join his wife. That's the then. What will A.G. Spafford do between now and then? He will write a song when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea bells roll. Whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Now, till then. She vividly imagined, and then she ardently desired. If you had a demon-possessed child... How great would your desire be for the child to be set free? Ardent prayer comes out of ardent desire. The Bible teaches that Jacob wrestled all night with an angel of the Lord, but not really. It was with God. What was his passionate plea? I, I won't let you go. I will not let you go until you bless me. Paul prayed ardently on three occasions for God to remove his thorn in the flesh. And perhaps the most ardent prayer ever prayed was in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus cried, Father, is there any other possible way out of this thing? Let's look at this woman a little maybe more closely. Who is she? 
and what in her past has brought her to Jesus? Was there a super ugly incident with the demonized daughter? Was there a straw that finally broke the camel's back? And through her tears and her frustration, she cried, that's it. She has vividly imagined how many days and how many nights. And here she is. Jesus' presence. And she begins to cry. Her cry is a prayer. Lord, Son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and is suffering terribly. And Jesus does not answer her a word. What? Jesus is silent and the disciples think they know what to do. They... The disciples can get a little bit out there. Have you ever noticed that when they think they know better what Jesus should do than he does? Send her away. It says they, they begged him, send her away. She's getting on our nerves. She's a loud mouth, obnoxious, crying out Gentile woman. Send her away. Not a word from Jesus. Have you ever felt that way? You cried out to the Lord and nothing happened, nothing moved, nothing changed. When he did speak, he said, I wasn't sent here for your kind. You're a Gentile. I was sent to the Jews. Well, I guess that's that. Because I sure in the world am not a Jew. I wonder, does she bow her head and feel a sense of hopelessness and agony greater than she's ever known when he said that? No, not this woman. For this woman, it's not over till it's over. And for her, it isn't over. She goes and kneels down and prays, Lord, help me. And he says, would it be good, a good thing to take bread that belongs to children and toss it to a dog? Well, now that's surely it. If we didn't know better, we'd say Jesus is adding insult to injury. Now, Canaanite woman, how's your imagination? Canaanite woman, how ardent are you now? Canaanite woman, how is your faith now? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder who, to those who diligently seek him. Listen how much this woman believes. And I kind of embellish her words a little bit. Hope I'm not in error. Yes, Lord, I hear you. And I believe everything you said. And 
I've thought about all of that myself that you've said before. And, and I'm not here begging for my daughter's life because of me or anything I've ever done. Nothing in my hand I bring. Help me. And Jesus comes out with another zinger. Would it be right to take children's bread and toss it to their dogs? And she says, yes. The Canaanite woman says, yes. Because even dogs get to eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. What is she saying? I need you so much. I believe in you so much. If you will just toss this Gentile dog a couple of crumbs, it will be enough for my daughter to be healed. Wow. Now this is me. Uh, This is the way I feel it. This is the way I see it. Jesus was taken aback. He was thrilled. He was happy. Her response touched him. I can almost hear him say, well, (laughs) will you just look at this woman? Will you just look at this woman? And he said to her, woman, great is your faith. Your prayer has been answered. Your little girl is healed. What glorious words. Think how that must have sounded. You can buy her pretty new dresses and she can make friends and she can go to parties and have sleepovers and you can take her out to eat and you can take her to church and you don't have to hide her or shelter her and when other mothers talk about their children and brag about them, you can join in. You don't have to sleep with one eye open and and lurch out of bed at every sound. You can get a sitter and go, go to a movie and she can go to school and one day she will meet a nice young man and marry and give your grandchildren dear woman great is your faith your prayer is answered that's what can happen when we pray and don't give up And then I had this P.S. thought. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He could have set it out, but he chose to play. Thank God he did.